right, boys and girls, episode 125 with Dr. Rory Gibbons is about to start, and I am super excited for this interview for all of you because Rory is a good friend of mine, and I am super, super happy that he graduated recently as a naturopathic doctor and is already treating patients and he shares his kind of take on his practice and what excites him in the naturopathic medicine field. So without further ado, here is Dr. Rory Gibbons. Hello, boys and girls. Welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I'm your host, Rafael Matuszewski, and joining me today is my good friend, Dr. Rory Gibbons. Say hello. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me on the show, Raph. Yeah, no problem. So, I always like to start the show by asking all my guests, what do you got planned for the weekend? Oh, man. Okay. So, it's pretty exciting, um, for me at least. Uh, I'm going to a conference tomorrow. It's uh, just a one-day conference downtown Vancouver. It's on functional nutrition. <clears throat> and we're talking about, uh, we're going to be talking about celiac disease and non-celiac gluten sensitivity and we're going to be talking about other food sensitivities in the general population and uh, some other functional food topics that are hot at the moment. Um, it's going to be pretty cool because there's in the medical world we have there's some conferences out there that are really geared towards naturopathic doctors, and then there's some other conferences that are geared towards medical doctors. And this one, really great, is geared towards medical doctors. So I'm really happy to see that uh, there's it's a. I think it's a decent size of a conference, and so medical doctors are going to be there uh, learning about nutrition and how to treat celiac disease with nutrients instead of um, what they're taught in school. So it's going to be pretty cool. Awesome. Uh, so for the people who do not know you, can you give them a little intro of who you are, what you do, and how did you get into this industry in the first place? Yeah, absolutely. So as I said before, I'm a naturopathic physician in British Columbia. Um, I work on the North Shore in North Vancouver. Um, so naturopathic medicine, as your as your previous guests, uh, Jay Tita and Dr. Brooke, have said that we are a little bit different from the conventional system in that we look to treat the cause of the disease and treat the cause of the symptoms. And we also look at the, the person and uh, as a whole. So we treat your physical well-being, but we also look at the mental, spiritual um, and the, like the psychological part because we're all tied together in some weird way. Um, so a little look at my practice. I really appreciate evidence-based medicine. So <laughs> naturopathic physicians sometimes get a little bit of flack on, on if, oh, are we really evidence-based? Are we really research-based? Well, I think so. I mean, I am. Um, I use a combination of the latest research uh, patient values, what, what they want to do, and my clinical judgment. So using my history-taking skills and my physical exam-taking skills, and I put, towards a, put together a treatment that hits those three areas, and people get better. It's, it's great. Um, so I'm happy to report that I read research often, and I try to use uh, treatments that have some sort of uh, research-based backing. So that's, that kind of gives an insight into how I treat. Um, the things that I've been seeing lately in practice are polypharmacy people. So people are going to come in and they are on 
they come in and they say, oh, I, I want to treat my itchy skin or whatever. And I go, okay, so what kind of medications are you on? Okay, they come in and they have like six different medications. Not saying that they don't need them because they might need them, but that's what I've been dealing with is that every time I go to prescribe something, I need to like double check with the pharmaceutical and make sure it's not interacting. Um, <clears throat> that's kind of a side note because, I mean, lots of people are on polypharmacy. Uh, I see a lot of autoimmune conditions, so things like celiac and psoriasis, um, and I also really love treating people with energy concerns. Uh, that's one thing that is really treated well in naturopathic medicine because people will come in and say, you know, the system says I'm okay, but I feel terrible. I feel tired all the time. I feel tired in the morning and can't get to sleep at night, And but my doctor keeps telling me I'm fine. And so I look at that and go, well, that doesn't make sense, does it? <laughs> like, there's got to be something going on because you're not feeling good anymore. And and how frustrating would that be for someone to just say, I'm sorry, but you're fine. <laughs> and, and that's it. Like, I don't think that's acceptable. So we look at, so then I look a little bit deeper at their labs and maybe run a few different other labs to see what might else be going on. So looking at things like the extended thyroid panel. So things like T3, T4, and anti-TPO. Uh, looking at cortisol, like AM cortisol, PM cortisol, how that's functioning in their life, in their day-to-day -day life. Because stress, as we know, elevates cortisol. And stress will also have an effect on your thyroid. So maybe that's causing your, your fatigue you're, maybe that's causing you to be fatigued. Um, what was I talking about? Oh, fatigue, <laughs> right. Uh, so I, I treat a lot of people with fatigue. Um, and also, I really love working with people who are active, so like athletes, um, but also just the busy business guy that wants to run a marathon. Like there's a lot we can do to support this guy um, and his ambitions. Um it's another thing, uh, pain. I really enjoy treating pain, uh, whether that's generalized pain or local pain. So generalized being things like fibromyalgia, where you know this person has pain and the, and they go to their doctor and they go, "Well, you have fibromyalgia. You need to take Lyrica." Okay, well, I don't know, and they don't want to do that. So I go, "Okay, well, what else can we do?" So we look at um, nutrients that are going to support their adrenal glands and their energy pathways so they can deal with the pain. Um, we're going to look at the mitochondrial support because there's research coming out that's supporting um, mitochondrial dysfunction as a, as a cause of fatigue. So that's general. And then local fatigue, or sorry, fatigue, oh my gosh, uh, pain. Sorry, local pain. Um, people with local pain, they, they come in, they've had an injury or they've had a surgery, and they are taking their, their pain meds, which is fine. Um, initially, but they don't want to do that anymore because they're feeling constipated or they're feeling tired because of the medications. So I go, all right, well, why don't we look at using something else to decrease the inflammation and pain? So things like magnesium and curcumin and boswellia and proteolytic enzymes, things that are going to help that repair process speed up, um, which in turn will help their 
paint. Probably do some other awesome things for them too. So to answer your question, <laughs> um, nice. autoimmune, fatigue, pain, um, energy are some things that I uh, enjoy treating. Awesome. Um, so the other thing that we're going to get to, because you said a lot of great things, but yeah. um, <laughs> trying to ramble. We're, yeah, we're going to like try to peel back some layers. But I'd be kind of curious to see why you chose naturopathic medicine, because like there's a new trend now where a lot of people who are interested in medicine, they're now just bouncing back and forth between regular med school or naturopathic medicine. And they become okay. in like this kind of limbo area. They don't know which one to choose. So I'm kind of curious to how you became a naturopathic doctor with your final decision, like, yes, this is for me. I want to do this thing. Yeah, so that's a great question. That's one that I get asked often. Um, so just a little background. Excuse me. I did a, a kinesiology degree at Simon Fraser. And when I was there, I wanted to be a medical doctor for a little while. I was like, oh, I want to be a med, med, medical, medical doctor and I want to be a, like help people and treat patients, but I didn't really know what that meant. Like, I didn't know what the the day to day functioning looked like. I could, I just didn't know. You know, <laughs> I don't know how to explain. Like, people are like, oh, you you want to be a doctor? You're like, yeah, I want to be a doctor. But like, how often do people actually ask medical doctors why did you become a doctor? Um, so long, uh, okay, so I went on a bit of a tangent there. So I decided not to be a medical doctor in second year university because um, I didn't feel like I could do it. I was like, I don't, I don't have the grades, and like, it sounds like really hard, and I don't know. Um, and then I started learning more about physiotherapy and, and how awesome that is and how people are getting better. So I started going down that route. And I was like, oh, man, I can really see myself doing this. Um, you know, it's hands-on. I'm a great hands-on learner. Um, I want to do this. And then I did some co-ops and went into private physiotherapy and I went into public physiotherapy. And I learned about both sides of the coin. And I just could see that there was were there were holes missing or there's there's chunks of the treatment that were not there so for instance as one person sticks out in my mind she uh she was injured on the job and uh, she had a knee injury and she landed in our rehab program and it's a publicly funded rehabilitation program um and she's like i'm just not getting better i'm just not getting better and she was quite overweight so i'd say maybe like 100 pounds overweight um you know she works hard she's eating well trying to eat well as much as she could but she wasn't getting the help that she needed as far as the nutrition and the and diet and the lifestyle habits um <clears throat> and so i thought like how is this person going to get better in 11 weeks in a publicly funded program like how how it's not it's just, it's not fair. Like this person gets injured and then they go through our program. They don't get better. They can't go back to work. And then they're just cut off. Like what? doesn't make sense. So I noticed that I was like, this person isn't supported mentally and emotionally, but she's also not supported with diet and nutrition to the extent that she needs. So she did what happened. She didn't get through the program. Like she didn't get better. And then she wasn't, um, 
welcome back to her job because she couldn't do her job. And so then she was just like released into the world on disability, I guess. And it doesn't have to be like that. So I saw that and I thought, there's got to be something else that we can do. Anyways, <clears throat> a little while later, um, I met a girl and she wanted to be an astrobiotic doctor and uh, from the beginning. And I didn't really know what that meant until she started applying to school. Um, and then I, she started telling me about what naturopathic doctors can do, uh, what our scope is, and what our principles are. And it just really made sense. Like, treat the cause of the disease. Like, yeah, so it doesn't, doesn't happen again. And so your symptoms actually go away instead of masking them with, with pharmaceuticals, right? Or just treating the symptom. I shouldn't say that pharmaceuticals are the only thing that treat the symptoms because there's other things out there too. Um, <clears throat> treat the whole person. So looking at them physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, all connected. Uh, educating them. So naturopathic doctors have a great opportunity to educate patients because we have the time, because we bill by the hour. We don't bill by the patient. Um, prevention. So we, we look to prevent disease. Usually, this leads to longer, more vibrant lives, more happy, vibrant lives. Uh, that sounds great. <laughs> and then also, uh, the first one is first, do no harm. Obviously, we don't want to make the person sicker. So I really identified with those values. And then she applied to school. And then a, a couple, like a month or whatever later, she got in and then I decided to apply to the same school, and then I got it. <laughs> so that's uh, pretty much how I decided to go to school. So it was influenced from my now wife. Um, but I just wanted to add, actually, prior, like growing up, um, now looking back, like as a family, we did do, we did use like natural things to treat disease. Like my mom always. Like she would give us vitamins and minerals instead of like NyQuil, for instance, or um, you know other over-the-counter products to treat colds and treat blues. So I guess it was maybe kind of ingrained subconsciously throughout my life. And then I met my wife, and, and she kind of pushed me in that direction a little bit more. Awesome. Really cool. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, like, then also another cool thing, like, because I know you personally, you also were a coach with me at another yes. gym, and what I've been noticing now with even, like, not even naturopathic doctors, but, like, chiros and physios that have a broader exercise background, they can apply that to their practice, so I'm kind of curious to see if your experience working as a coach has influenced the way you treat now as a naturopathic doctor. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, hundred uh, percent. It, it definitely, definitely helps. I draw on that experience every single day, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, so, first of all, where we you and where we work together, I learned so much about movement mm -hmm. and proper movement, um, and that really helped through school because we learn in school. Uh, we learn a ton of anatomy, and we learn of. We also learn adjustments, um, like chiropractic style adjustments. We certainly don't learn as much as chiropractors do, by any means. Um, 
but we still learn how to do that. So that really helped. Uh, so learning how people moved and learning, you know, anatomy and that kind of stuff, I was kind of ahead of the game uh, when it came to that. So I was really, I felt like I was, I did well with those types of um, tasks. Uh, but on a larger scale, this the skills that I use every day are the interaction with patients. Like just picking up on the interpersonal cues from patients, like body language and the way they say something or um, <clears throat> just the general this is the general patient demeanor when they come in. Like I can tell like how they're feeling or if there's something different. I feel like when I was training, uh, when I was coaching clients, like that came up often where you get to know someone. You see them weekly and you get to know the subtleties in their personality. And so I, I'm able to, I feel like I'm able to pick, pick up um, subtle cues from patients when maybe other people might not. Um, what else have I learned from from coaching? Oh, I like identifying where people need assistance. So like, I remember when I was coaching, I would have a client, and you know, we could do all the exercise in the world and all the corrective exercises, but if they're not being fueled with the proper nutrition, they're not going to heal and not going to rehab as well as if they were. And so as coaches, yeah, we gave some nutritional advice, um, some basic stuff. I know you, you do, um, a little bit more than what I did. Uh, so I can identify when people need certain things in their life. So whether it's like this person needs, needs magnesium, like I can, put that together relatively quickly. Is that making sense? Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel, um, yeah, I definitely draw on that experience every single day. Yeah. And there's, I relate patients to past clients and mm -hmm. yeah, it's helpful. Yeah. Cause I think, uh, you kind of have the upper hand now. Cause I remember I had a client <laughs> who was struggling with weight loss and I suggested like, Oh, maybe go see an ND. They could probably help. And, you know, they went, and when my client came back, I'm like, oh, how did it go? And they're like, well, it was kind of strange because they prescribed exercise. I'm like, okay, that's not strange. It's a good thing. Um, and I'm like, <laughs> like, oh, what did they tell you to do to help you lose fat? And they're like, slow and steady cardio five days a week. I'm like, what oh, no. the fuck? <laughs> but, like, you know, the fact that you came from a trainer yeah. background, you're like, no, fucking lift some weight and then maybe yeah. go for a run. But. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, you'll start seeing more professionals like chiros, physios, NDs, drawing on experiences from their past or having like a kind of a niche into more an exercise. Because I work with a chiro yes. that's very exercise based. And it's really easy, especially now with how CrossFit is so popular. If you had mm -hmm. a CrossFit patient come in and be like, hey, I was doing a hang clean to a split jerk, that chiral will know exactly what you're doing and then can treat better. So it's kind of the same thing with like, you know, if you have an ND student that has an exercise background and the patient comes in and says yeah. X, Y, and Z, you're like, okay, I totally know what you're talking about. Let's do this. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's an excellent point. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, because in school, we're taught a little bit about 
exercise therapeutics. I'm doing air quotes around mm -hmm. that. And um, <clears throat> so the, the comment on the like, do slow and steady uh, aerobic exercise five days a week, that's, we, we know now that that's old research, mm -hmm. right? It's old. I think it was done improperly. I don't know. But what we can say now is that to lose more, to lose more fat, um, we're looking at strength training and high-intensity interval training and, um, <clears throat> well, those two things were great, but also obviously proper dietary changes. Um, so those things we, we were taught in exercise therapeutics in school was out with the old, in with the high-intensity interval training and the strength mm -hmm. training. And so more and more NDs are seeing that. Um, it's frustrating to hear that. Like, yeah. but, um, I mean, not to mention the other benefits of strength training, right? Like you feel stronger because you are stronger and you, if you're an, you know, an elderly person, like you're going to decrease your fracture risk. You're going to mm -hmm. increase your bone density. You're going to improve your balance. <laughs> like there's so many good things, not to mention the cognitive benefits of like feeling more confident, feeling, um, people, people think clearer when they, mm -hmm. when they go and work out. Yeah. Um, so the next thing I wanted to bring up, cause you kept saying fatigue and I'm kind of yeah. curious, like when you see patients, what's the common like trend you've been seeing that when people come in are like, Oh, I'm always freaking tired. What are the symptoms mm -hmm. that are like things that they do all the time that causes that fatigue? Um, <clears throat> So more, okay, well, lots of things. <laughs> when someone comes in with fatigue, I, there's a lot of things that could be happening with a person. Uh, or do you mean like habits? Yeah, let's go with habits. Yeah. Like what's a okay. common thing? Sure. So there's something called allostatic load. Have you heard that term before? No. What's that? No. So it's basically your stress load. Okay. Um, how much stuff do you have on your plate? So... This will contribute to your overall allostatic load. So financial stress, job stress, relationship stress. Maybe your kid is a little hellion and they're causing you stress. Um, that all contributes to your allostatic load. And so when you have a lot of stress in your life, your cortisol is going to be, um, sorry, your adrenal glands and your thyroid gland will be taxed. So I often see people with a whole lot of stress in their lives being coming in complaining of fatigue. And it's like kind of, I guess people don't, aren't really putting together that if they go at 110% for 100% of the time, they're going to get burned out. So this is happening more often now um, just because our lifestyle is so so go 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 people aren't giving their bodies the rest that needs so people will say like oh I function the best on five hours of sleep and I I've, I work 80 hours a week and I go okay well you're 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 gonna burn out like I don't know how you can continue that on unless you're this weird physical anomaly. Um, so let's talk about 
the adrenal glands for a second. So I, I remember I listened to your podcast with Dr. Brooke, and she had a really great little segment on that. Um, and I was reading in in a book that I have written by Dr. Alan Gaby. It's one of my favorite books called Nutritional Medicine. He's a medical doctor out of the States. And he talks about hypoadrenalism. So there's something called um, <clears throat> um, Addison's disease, where your adrenal glands don't produce cortisol. That's a problem. <laughs> okay, that is a, like a medical emergency problem where like you need cortisol, like um, synthetic cortisol in order to function. And then there's something called Cushing's disease where your, your adrenal glands are pushing you or pushing out so much cortisol and it leads to symptoms like um, weight gain and diabetes and, um, and other, lots of other things. So then what about the middle? So you got one condition that's not producing, your adrenal glands aren't producing anything. And you got another condition that's producing too much of cortisol. So what happens in the middle? So when you're right in the middle, you're functioning normally. When you're super stressed out, when you're super stressed out, you either, you first will produce a lot of cortisol. This is called the general adaptation syndrome. So you will increase your cortisol production. <clears throat> this is stage one. And then that only lasts for so long. And then you go into stage three, where you adrenal glands start producing less cortisol as a protective as a protective response to the high cortisol. Okay, so then, so this is all that middle ground I was talking about. So this is where people are going to feel tired and wired at nighttime. They go like, "Oh, I, I'm super tired, but my mind is racing at like 10 p.m. at night." So this is high cortisol, high PM cortisol. It's not supposed to be high at, in the evening. Melatonin is supposed to be high and cortisol is supposed to be low. Um, in the morning, for instance, people will go, I'm so sluggish in the morning. I can't get out of bed. Like, I just want to keep sleeping, keep sleeping, keep sleeping. Okay, so you have super low morning cortisol. So you go, okay, well, your morning cortisol should be high <laughs> because the sun rises and the sun goes in your eyes and activates um, release of cortisol, or tells your brain it's time to get up. So you should be releasing cortisol, but you're not. It's because um, your body is now like not knowing when to secrete cortisol because you're super stressed out all the time. Hormones are all out of whack. So those are two symptoms, tired and wired at night, super sluggish in the morning. Another symptom that comes in is um, uh, brain fog, which people can't think properly because they're just all, they just, their cognitive function just goes down because they're dealing with so many things in their lives. Um, uh, where was I going with this? I was talking about adrenal glands. Uh, fatigue. What's the most yeah. common like habits for fatigue? Yeah. Yeah. So people that are trying to just do everything and they're not putting that time aside for themselves. Um, often I'll say to a patient, like, what do you do for yourself? And they go, I, I don't know. I, I cook for my wife. <laughs> okay. That's not really for yourself. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
okay, like, what about going for a walk? Like, do you do that? Well, I work out, I work out four times a, four times a week at a gym. I don't want to go for a walk. I'm like, okay, well, good that you're working out. Good. If you go for a walk in the woods, research has shown that your cortisol levels will bring down, will come down. Your sympathetic nervous activity will decrease. Your blood pressure will decrease if you have high if you have high blood pressure. Your pulse rate will decrease. Like this is documented documented research. It's super cool. It's called Shinrin-yoku from Japan. And it's basically walking in the woods. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, typical habits of, of people that are fatigued is just, they've just been working so hard for so long and they just haven't stopped. Um, you know, we know that often... I'm told, oh yeah, you, you got to be the best version of yourself to to treat others or to provide for everyone else, and you'll be most successful when you're active and you treat yourself well. It's true, and people know that, but we're just not doing it. Um, yeah. Okay. Speaking of fatigue. Um, yeah. What I always think of is coffee, and I think a lot of people here that listen probably drink a lot of caffeine, but for me sure. personally, like, I'd be kind of curious if you could speak your two cents on this, and I, I've been asking a bunch of different people on my show, and no one has really given me a good enough answer to kind of lead me in the right direction, but... <clears throat> I'm a type of person where I could drink coffee at 10 p.m. at night and just go right to sleep. <laughs> like, I can drink eight cups to ten cups a day. There's no jitters, no, like, crash, no nothing. I've done experiments where I've gone off caffeine for two months, felt the same. I just like the taste. I can have a quad shot Americano, like, midday and just, like, whatever. So I'm kind of curious, like, why don't I have you know, the effect that, you know, a regular person would have a quad shot Americano and, like, be bouncing off walls and then, like, die halfway throughout the day. <laughs> and even, like, taking a step further, like, even pre-workout supplements, I have not found one pre-workout that actually gives me energy. And I've taken, like, pure ephedrine, nothing. I've taken illegal pre-workouts <laughs> that are illegal in Canada and the States and imported from Mexico. Like, I've tried it all. So I'm kind of curious, like, what do you think is going on inside me that does not respond to any kind of stimulants? <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. So, okay. Before we, before, I just wanted to make a preface on, on the last thing I was saying there. Um, so we talked about the adrenal glands. It's not, I just wanted to say that it may not be the only thing causing fatigue. Okay, there's a lot of other things that can cause fatigue besides um, stress and elevated cortisol and decreased cortisol. Uh, so I just wanted to put that out there. So for the caffeine comment, um, yeah, I mean, I, I love coffee too. I, I love making it in the morning and just the, the whole idea of like the smell of it. And it's just, uh, it's great. <laughs> um, so why... Why are you 
why aren't you reacting to it? Because that's kind of the question, right? Yeah. Why aren't you reacting to it? So, um, usually what happens when you have caffeine is that your adrenal glands will respond and push out cortisol. That's a normal response. So I immediately think that for some reason, you're not metabolizing it. So you're drinking it, and then it's, or you're metabolizing it too quickly. Like, I'm talking to your liver here. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a couple, there's two phases of detoxification in your liver. Um, I feel like if the first, I'll have to just double check on this, but if the first phase is running fast, then you will take the caffeine in and it will just go right through you and you won't feel an effect. Um, for people that have take a have a quad shot Americano at 10 p.m. and stay up for the rest of the night, those people I feel will have a sluggish metabolism, um, meaning that the caffeine will keep circulating in your system and lighting up uh, your energy pathways. I'll have to double check that one. I haven't even asked that question in a long time. <laughs> but um, and then there's also there's also the whole idea of a fast metabolizer genetically and a slow metabolizer genetically. I'm having trouble like giving you a solid answer on that. Uh, that as far as the genetics go, I don't know. Like you, you've done so many things and you haven't felt an effect. Like yeah, you're like I don't know, a zombie or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like I need to, if you were my patient, for instance, I would ask a, quite a few more questions and would like to run some lab, lab work on you as well, just to see if, I don't know, liver enzymes may be off or dang it, I wish I could have been that person to give you that solid answer. No, it's all good. But, um, like, I think you explained a little bit more than what other people said. The other person that, again, she was like, you know, I'm no doctor or anything, but maybe there's a receptor in your brain that's not functioning properly every time you bring caffeine in your system. But she's like, don't quote me on that. I can be completely wrong. But that was, like, one of the best ones that I got from it. I'm like, okay, well, now I'm going to have to be like a guinea pig at some university, like hook me up to all your electrodes and figure me out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if I can find someone to figure out what the hell is going on, if I need like cocaine for a pre-workout, then <laughs> right? yeah, but uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking like for the regular person yeah. that has, you know, that has maybe four or five cups of coffee a day and they don't feel stimulated i'm looking at like their adrenals are not functioning mm-hmm. they're not or i shouldn't say okay i shouldn't say they're not functioning but they're tired they're tired and they're just not responding to that stimulus that is caffeine um so in their case i would run like an am cortisol pm cortisol and probably like a four point salivary cortisol um 
just to see like what's happening as far as cortisol goes. I mean, if you're saying that, did you say you'd have 10 coffees a day? I've gone up to that, but like now, okay. <laughs> like, oh. depending on the day, I'll go like two to four cups. Right. Yeah. Right. Nothing, nothing too have you, extreme. <laughs> have you ever done a, an adrenal test at all? Um, I think I have like maybe two years ago because I went to your school with their clinic and I got a bunch of lab work and nothing right. really came out that was oh, like, really? okay. like alarming. And I was like, fuck, I thought I was so close. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But the only two like effects that I get from caffeine, like almost instantly is like my lower back will sweat. And then within like 30 minutes to an hour, I have to piss really bad. And I'm like, okay, yeah. no, that's the two things that only happen when I drink coffee. But I'm like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Back sweat. Yeah. Yeah. Can't really explain that. Back sweat. (laughs) Booty sweat. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. I don't know. At at first glance, like I can't. Fortunately, I can't really tell you an answer on that. But um, be interesting to see that lab work from from the school. Yeah. One of these days, I just have to go see you, and you can. Prod and probe me. Yeah. I'll get a, <laughs> I'll get a release of records and yeah, that, honestly, and take a look. Um, um, okay. I was gonna ask, like, what's the one thing that's kind of like really exciting you in your field that you like just want to tell everybody about? Because I find that in every profession, there's always one thing that kind of excites the individual that they can't wait to like read more about and things like that. Like, is there something in your industry that you're really excited about? Yeah, you know what? Right now, um, I didn't think I was going to say this, but hormones. Okay. Like, women's and men's hormones. Like, oh my gosh, it's so complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you start learning about them um, and start learning how to treat them, like, oh man, is it ever amazing. So let's just define what I'm talking about. So when I say hormones, I'm talking about understanding what estrogen is. It's not just one thing. It's three different estrogens and what they all do. Um, talking about androgens, so your, excuse me, your testosterone and your testosterone metabolites and the progesterone. So learning about what that is, learning about human growth hormone and how that responds to um, exercise and other stimuli um, and of course, cortisol—it's just what we can do as NDs is run a dried urine panel um, or a 24-hour collection, a urine collection. So this will test so many different hormones in people's bodies, um, and then from there we can look at. We can get really specific on our treatment, um, and it really opens up the opportunity for us to see other conditions that might be happening. So, I just one thing popped in my head. I was reviewing a hormone test, and I was thinking one thing. I was like, "This person has these symptoms, and this is very highly correlated with this hormone 
um, deficiency. And then I did this panel and expecting that I knew all the things, <laughs> um, it came back that what I thought was going to be abnormal was completely normal or better than normal. And then what was wrong or what was abnormal was something completely different. So it changed my entire treatment plan um, for this individual. And lo and behold, I treated with re research and evidence-based functional nutrition and feels great. <laughs> so that's, that's awesome. That's super cool. Um, so I'm, I'm, learn I'm excited to learn more about bioidentical hormones um, <clears throat> and uh, what we can do to help them. Uh, we can also, in BC, we're also able to prescribe bioidentical hormones in the form of capsules or in the form of creams. Um, and people are feeling really great after, like, especially uh, postmenopausal women, for instance, they're prescribing bioidentical hormones and they feel amazing after. They go like, oh, my energy's up. I'm less anxious. I sleep like a log now. And, um, you know, I, it's a pretty amazing um, therapy that we can offer. And it's specific. And I like the specificity of it. So that's one thing that's really lighting me up. I have a conference coming up in a couple weeks in Vancouver and uh, learn about all the hormone prescribing. So I'm pretty pumped about that. Yeah, so i say that's probably Sweet. what's on the, my radar at the moment. Okay. And the other question yeah. I wanted to bring up is this whole idea of IVs, because it's almost now becoming like a trend that, like, oh, I have low energy. Just hook myself <clears throat> to an IV with some B vitamins, and I should be good to go. And you've yep. even seen, like, now... There's like clinics that just have IVs where you sit down yep. in a lazy boy chair and you're like, all right, hook me up, doc. Let's do this thing. So what's your opinion yep. about IVs? Yeah, I mean, IVs are – so let's let's clarify a little bit more. So nutrient IVs. So I, I do IVs um, myself. I don't hand them out like candy, but uh, I think they're really warranted in some cases – so let's say fatigue. Did you say in regards to fatigue? Uh, yes. Yeah. So fatigue. Um, so biochemistry. All right. So the citric acid cycle, the um, like fatty acid metabolism. There are all bio. Uh, there's all little molecules that help all these enzymatic reactions to happen in our, our goal to produce adenosine triphosphate, our ATP. It's our energy molecule. So we need, so we need those certain minerals and vitamins in order to function. So that's what the IVs are made up of, is made up of uh, the B complex, right? So, Okay, this is going to sound super stupid, but it wasn't until, like, second year in naturopathic medical school that I figured out that NADH is niacin, or B3. Mm -hmm. I just didn't I just didn't put that together mm -hmm. um, until someone said, well, instead of calling it biochemistry, let's call it functional nutrition. I was like, what? It's crazy. Um, FADH is riboflavin, right? That's a... B2, mm -hmm. right? Um, I just didn't, I don't know why, but 
So then it all kind of started making sense. Um, so coming back to IVs, that's what the IVs are made of. So they're made up of B vitamins, vitamin C, um, magnesium, calcium, sometimes some amino acids, sometimes some microminerals like zinc and selenium, um, maybe some, yeah, so uh, amino acids like proline, lysine. I think they're great. I mean, we can make the argument that we can get all the vitamin and minerals we need from a diet. Maybe, maybe. However, in our present day, we tie um, nutrient deficiencies in foods with high stress environment or high stress lifestyle where we're burning through nutrients, burning through B vitamins. So there's got to be a deficit in there. You know what I mean? So let's take magnesium, for instance. This is a, magnesium is a great mineral, and it's, um, and it's been shown to be deficient in our foods recently, uh, more so than 20, 30, 40 years ago. Um, so getting magnesium right into your vein, um, sorry, let's back up a second. So nutrient deficiencies in food plus stressful environment where we're burning through nutrients and then add poor absorption. So usually when someone's stressed out, their digestive system isn't working as well as it should be or as well as it could be. So that means we're not absorbing as many nutrients as we need. So people are often running in a deficiency of certain nutrients, which can lead to decreased energy production. Did that make sense? Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, pretty pretty much. Yeah. Um, so IVs, they provide a way of getting vitamins and minerals in, into your system and bypassing the GI tract. Um, so that's, I mean, that's the kind of long short of, of why I would give an IV for fatigue is because we're replenishing nutrients. Um, at the same time, we're also boosting immune function uh, through giving parenteral vitamin C and magnesium and zinc um, as well. Zinc is a great and excellent immune boosting mineral. Um, so where do I, what do I think about it? I think that IVs are great. Um, however, I feel like sometimes they're used uh, maybe like too much. I, I don't know. I can, it's hard for me to say because I don't – people feel better after having an IV. Yeah. Um, but how sustainable are they? I don't know. I love giving them. Like they, people feel great after them. And yeah. There's just something about putting a needle in a vein that's really great, really, really exciting. <laughs> Get that flashback. Oh man. Uh, yeah. So I I say yes to IVs. Yeah. Um, if you know, for people listening, um, if you decide you want to get an IV, if you if you go get an IV, make sure that the person giving it to you is qualified to do so. So if they're a medical doctor or a naturopathic doctor or like a, um, some naturopathic clinics have nurses on staff, 
but if you're going if you're going somewhere and um or if your friend says oh yeah come my buddy will give you an iv like <laughs> mm, super maybe shady. don't do that yeah, yeah just don't just don't because there's a there's a lot of things that might go wrong and yeah. you need the proper emergency equipment to um uh, to help that situation, such as an oxygen tank, an AED, uh, epinephrine, diphenhydramine, mm-hmm. um, and so you need all those things just in case someone has a some sort of weird reaction to an IV. Um, so for the IVs that I give, uh, energy is a great. I, I say, you know, if a, if the person is able to afford an IV, I would definitely encourage it. Um, we do something called a Myers push here. Uh, it's pretty common, and we put uh, a bunch of concentrated minerals in a syringe. It's about 33 mils, and we we push it into your vein, and it's a quick, it's a quick effect, or sorry, a quick um, IV. It's about six or seven minutes, and things like asthma and breathing problems like COPD. Um, It'll help to dilate the bronchioles, and people will start breathing better. Seasonal allergies too. Mm-hmm. Um, people start breathing better because the magnesium in it just like just dilates these bronchioles, and people are like, oh, I can I can take a deep breath now. I haven't been able to do that in the last three weeks. So it's pretty neat to see the immediate re- immediate response. Have you ever had one? Uh, no, that's on my list of things I want to do. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, so very last question, cause we are coming up sure. to an hour and I know you need to prep for your patients, but, uh, yep. where can people find you online? Do you have any projects coming out or anything else you want to plug? You can go ahead and do that right now. Sure. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you. So you can find me online at www.drrorygibbons.com, um, where I have a, a breakdown of uh, what I do and, you know, treatments that I offer or uh, services that I offer. Well, you can find me on Instagram at, at Dr. Rory Gibbons. You can find me on Facebook at, at Dr. Rory Gibbons. Um, and feel free to reach out and just drop me a, an email in the form that's provided under the Contact Me page on my website, and I'll get back to you. Um, I welcome all questions. Uh, please no hate mail <laughs> but uh, if you have a question or you want to challenge me on something uh, feel free I'm open to that that's that's cool I embrace critical thinking for sure um, that's kind of it at the moment sweet awesome so yeah, thank man. you so much for your time this was amazing yeah thank you Rob. All right, everyone, that is going to wrap up episode 125 with my good friend, Dr. Rory Gibbons. Hopefully you enjoyed that one as much as I did, and hopefully my caffeine consumption did not uh, concern or scare you. Um, So if you have any feedback or any suggestions on who I should interview next, feel free to look me up on Facebook, Instagram, or any other social media that I post on. Please, please, please share this podcast with your friends, your family, your mother, your sister, your brother, and the person down the street who doesn't even know what a podcast is to grow this thing. And I will continue bringing you amazing fitness, health, and nutrition knowledge from all the people I look up to in the industry. Until next time, you guys, that's it for me. 